we've been on a conversation about the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. I am sure you have been blessed. I'm sure you have been sharing the word. I'm sure you have testimonies of practical uh, experiences with the Spirit of God in your own life. We're grateful to God for testimonies of salvation. Many who are making the greatest and the best decisions of their lives in this season. All glory to God. Praise God. This evening, by God's grace, we are going to be taking the conversation further and we are going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We are going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Please, before you disconnect, before you change the channel, you might say, oh, I know this. I taught this last week. I've always known this. I've memorized the fruits. I know them. Please, please, please. Uh, one of the things that the Spirit of God has blessed us with is the anointing of God for revelation. And so, even if you know everything about this subject matter, you've published your thesis on it, I am trusting God that the light of His Spirit will bring something new to you. So, please, just hang in there, hang in there, and follow through with us, and you will be glad that you did. Praise God. Praise God. I know the verse you want us to go to, but that is not where we are starting from um, this evening. Let us go very quickly to John. John chapter 15, John chapter 15, I will read from verse 1 to 5, John chapter 15, from verse 1 to 5, and then we'll go to the Psalms of David. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. I need you, I need you to pay attention. Remember, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits. We're talking about the fruit, and we will get to that shortly. All right, it says, I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. My father is the vine dresser. Now, part of what I want us to begin to settle very early is that you will already discover that as we begin to read these verses, the Word of God is already breaking some preconceived ideas and preconceived notions. Uh, you've heard people say things like, you have to cultivate the fruit. You have to, and then if I am the one cultivating this metaphoric garden, then I'm assuming the responsibility of the vine, vine dresser. And I want you to see, let's go back to verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. My father is the vine dresser. Let's go to verse 2. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it takes away. Now, what that is saying to us is that there is the possibility of being in Christ, which is our entry point in salvation into the kingdom. He says, but you can stay there and bring forth no other fruit after that. All right? And then he says that those who do not bear fruit, it takes away. This is a, uh, the New King James, it says it, it takes away. Uh, some other version says it cuts off. Um, and, and there's been some debate as to what the cutting off is. Um, is it cuts off to cut off or cut off to increase its chances of exposure to sunlight and to growth and things like that. All right, but let's go on. He says, and every branch that bears fruit, it prunes. And I want us to pay attention to that. So the ones that bear fruit, it prunes. That is, that may bear more fruits. Can you see that? So from this whole conversation, we can see here that there is an attitude of fruit. He's saying that you bear fruit and you bear more fruit. It's amazing that it's still more fruit, but it's not more fruits. So there's that teaching. There's that early instruction that the work the spirit does in the life of the believer is one work and that one work is to mold the nature and the character of the father in us 
All right, I will come to that very quickly. Um, let's go on. Let's go on to verse 3. It says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So he tells us the cleansing agent in this metaphoric garden, the word of God. Verse 4, it says, abide in me and I in you. Abide in me, dwell in me and I in you. It says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Neither can you. Unless you abide in me, you cannot bring forth. So this fruit we are talking about, there is no other way for you to manifest this fruit except you are in Christ. And by the time we start talking about them, some of them might sound like virtues. You know what the world uh, would accept as good moral behavior. But we are saying that this, this level and this dimension we are talking about, it is impossible to sustainably do this without the help of the Spirit of God. Praise God. I said, praise God. Let's go to verse 5, which we will stop there for now. I am the vine, you are the branches. Repeating it over and over again. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You know, this is one of the most principal statements that guides my walk with God. Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. Phenomenal. Glory to God. Okay, let's move on to Psalms chapter 92. I'm sure they have it on screen for Psalms 92. We'll read from verse 12 to 14, and then we'll start our conversation on how the Spirit of God wants to have a start. He says, the righteous, now follow the righteous, the one who has received the nature of righteousness, the one whose sins have not been imputed, the ones who have been saved, the ones who have been justified, the ones who have been redeemed, who have been bought back with the price, all right? That price was a full payment with the blood of Jesus. He says those who fall in that category, he says they shall flourish, they will thrive, all right, like a palm tree. Now, remember when we're talking about signs and symbols of the Spirit, it, it doesn't mean you are a tree, all right? It means that there are certain, certain characters of the palm tree that you will find in the life of a righteous person who is filled with the Spirit of God. It says, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Let's go on verse 13. Now, it says, those who are planted, I, um, I wish we could put it side by side with John 15, but I know it's still fresh in your mind. It says, abide in me. Now, this is saying those who are planted, those who abide in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. It's talking about a staying there, a dwelling not a visiting and a rare passing by. He says, this is, this is your home. This is where you dwell. All right, let's go to verse 14. And let's, verse 14. He says, they shall still bear fruit in old age. Now, I could just stay on that statement. Mm. No, we won't stay there. But let me just say this very quickly. If there was ever a curve for spiritual growth. Now, I need you to hear this. Um, if there was ever a curve for spiritual growth, God's desire, God's plan, God's agenda is that as we grow in time, remember he's limitless. He's the ancient of days. We call him the God of Abraham, Isaac, 
Jacob, we're talking of generations, all right? And he's still our God today. He's my father. He is your father. Now, follow me. If we were ever to plot a graph of spiritual growth, all right? If we were ever to plot a graph, God's plan and desire is that that graph is in conformity with his word. That the path of the righteous is shining brighter. It's an upward pointing upward pointing graph that as you have your axis or age or time uh, that's not talking about how long you've been born again for but it's talking about the exchanges you have made for the supernatural okay i hope someone is getting this the amount of time that has been exchanged for supernatural virtue all right it says that the more you do that what the outcome should be is constant bearing of fruit continuous bearing of fruit. Alright? Now, why am I saying this? It appears that for some, as they grow older, as they grow older, what begins to happen is they enter into a curve that looks like spiritual familiarity. So, they know God. They know everything. They know all the scripture. They are just there. Hey God, he will just do what he wants to do. We've been there. These are, the, these are the relics in the churches. They were there when the church started. They were there when the pastor became born again. They were there when the church was two people. They were there when the church became 2,000. They were there when new converts came, where new converts caught fire, became on fire for Christ. They were there. They were just analysts and relics. They became resources. They became... Um, they became, I, I know you're getting what I'm saying. Spiritual familiarity. We must avoid it. It's not God's plan for you. It says, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. And it is my prayer that that will be your testimony. In the mighty name of Jesus. I said, in the mighty name of Jesus. So, we see from John 15, we see from Psalms 92, that God's plan for us is to bear fruit. And for us to bear fruit, the scripture tells us three important things that we do. Alright? There are other things we don't do. For instance, uh, it says the righteous. We can't make ourselves righteous. That is his part. Alright? There are items in that verse that, that talk about the responsibility of the vine dresser. So there are the responsibilities of God, there's responsibilities of the Son, there are responsibilities of His Spirit. Alright? But it, it, as far as we bringing forth fruit is concerned. It says the Spirit of God at work on your inside should have external manifestations, appreciable, um, appreciable manifestations that people should be able to see. Now, they are not necessarily sensing the anointing all right, they are not sensing the grace of God on your life. For spirituality, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. All right, but he's saying there is a dimension of fruit that even the devil. Are you getting this now? This is not what you need discernment. You are not discerning that this person is born again. You can tell that there is a there is a nature at work on this person, and there are fruits, fruits that we can see. That will let us know that this person carries the nature of God. He carries the very power of God. Carries the very presence of God. Now, we are going to juxtapose this by gifts in the coming weeks. Alright? And I'm going to convince you 
convince you that for our generation and the mighty move of the Spirit that we are going to see in this generation, it will be by those who are well pruned. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go into it. Can you, can you, can you um, give us John 15 again? John 15. Um, if it's possible to bring it back. The very first thing we see there is a responsibility for connection. Somebody say connection. Come on, you need to say it like you believe it. Somebody say connection. All right, so the first thing there, as far as the fruit is concerned, is connection. He said, if you abide in me and I in you. That's number one, connection. Somebody say connection. And this is profound because one of the initial recipes of the enemy for the destruction of the believer is isolation. I'll say that again. One of the initial recipes of the enemy for the destruction, all right, uh, uh, someone is saying, no, are you saying the enemy can, well, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's all he knows how to do. He uses a lot of tools. He uses deception. He uses lies. He brings error. He sows strife. All right. But one of the most important tools in that arsenal is isolation. You just feel like, I don't need these people again. Why are they always checking on me? Do I need to belong to any church? Why do I need to pray with them? The Lord hears my voice. I have the anointing of the only one. No one needs to teach me. All right, those are error-based, flavored devices of the enemy for your isolation. The moment you start seeing the need to be a one-man island, that is a recipe for destruction. The number one responsibility on our part, if we are going to bring forth fruit, is connection. Connection. Somebody say connection. Glory to God. I said glory to God. The number two. The number two is to abide. To abide. So not just to connect, but to stay there. And I think that's one of the biggest problems of my generation. We don't know how to stay. We don't know how to wait. There's a popular group of, of people today who are everywhere and nowhere. Called floaters. They are everywhere and they, they are nowhere. They belong to everybody and they belong to no one. Hmm. Abide. Abide. I don't think they have it on the screen, but once you look at that verse, John 15, once you look at it in the message translation, it says that you live in me and make me your home. Live in me. Make me your home. Home is where you go back to. You might travel, you might visit the Burj Al Arab, you might visit a five-star hotel. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is, it, it, it was a trip. <laughs> Do you understand? That's not your house. You don't live there. You go back home. And he's saying, I have to be your home. You have to abide. You stay with me. Remember Psalm 92. Those who are planted. First responsibility, connection. Second responsibility, Abide. Third responsibility, it says e project to prune. To prune there is it's talking about your attitude to when things are being taken away from you. Anybody who has done gardening understands the concept of pruning. Let me let me read to you what I saw. 
that pruning, purging, is the selective removal of certain parts. The selective removal of certain parts. And then I just said, okay, let me do a little bit, bit more research. When is the best time to prune? And guess what? Now, this is evidence-based from those who actually do. This was a metaphorical statement, all right? But evidence-based from those who are into vine dressing and pruning, it says that the best time to prune is just after flowering, just after budding. When it looks like things are getting great, when it looks like it has, you have everything figured out, then God says, now it's time to learn patience. It's time to learn patience. It's, not, it's time to learn how to trust me. And then the pruning comes. And then the attitude of the believer to the pruning. All right? Because the truth is, it will happen anyway. But there is, there is an attitude while waiting. I hope someone is getting this this evening. There is an attitude while waiting. There is an attitude while waiting. And we'll come back to that when we go to Galatians 5. There is an attitude while waiting. There is an attitude while God is taking away excesses. While God is removing certain relationships. When God is taking away certain benefits. When God is saying the season of this helper in your life has come to an end now. It is time for you to look to me as your source. I was the one that provided the brook. I was the one that sent the ravens. I was the one that sent the widow. I am your source. And then there's the attitude to say, God, it is you. I'm grateful for the brook. I'm grateful for the ravens. I'm grateful for the miraculous. But you are the one who has been constant in all of this. The, the channels have changed. The source has remained. You are still my God. You are still my source. And then it says, yes, we're taking away the excesses. And let me tell you, when God is Taking away those excesses, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Don't wait till you are in a PhD class to discover that you have a grade four assignment you did not submit. All right. You see, let me tell you, in God's plan, in God's systematic growth and development of his children, as we step up into maturity, there are certain things that it is expected of us that we already have the victory over. Are you listening this evening? And when you scale through or you cover, or like uh, or they do back home, when you pay for... Please pardon me. I'm not accusing anyone. But when a double promotion happens miraculously, I think that's a nice way to put it. All right? You just keep a class. Yeah, yes, you're yeah, brilliant. You will only get to the other classes to discover that they had not done you a favor. There is a deficiency that is still there. And many of us know the things we know we never really dealt with. They're still lurking in the corner. Guess what? His grace is in the room this evening. I said his grace is in the room this evening. And it is my prayer that the grace to count it all joy. Come on, it's possible. The grace to count it all joy. For you to know that there is a work in progress here. There is a work in progress here. I will allow the Spirit of God have his complete work in me. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Alright, so before we go to Galatians 5, I know many people just want the pastor, let's go to Galatians 5. That's where we are going anyways. Let's go there. We will go there very quickly. Alright, but if indeed he is the vine and the father is the vine dresser, it means that I am constantly his workmanship. 
it means that he is not done with me yet. And I want someone to listen to that because I know many people who used to know the old me. They are trying to grapple with the current me. Guess what? When you see the me that is about to be unveiled, I don't know how you're going to handle it. <laughs> Alright, I'm just kidding. But the point is that the believer, the child of God, is a work in progress. Don't judge a child of God. Rejoice not over me, my enemy. I may fall. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I will fall. I may fall. But guess what? I won't stay there. I will get up again because I am a work in progress. I am his garden, carefully tended, constantly a work, an edifice, a masterpiece that is being worked on. I am a work. You don't come and take a snapshot and say that is my life. No, no, no. Is it accurate? Yes. But that is accurate of the old me. That old man is dead. Someone here is receiving liberation because there are those who have held on to the documented, historically accurate facts they have about the old you. But guess what? You are a work in progress. You are his garden. As you stay connected to him, he's building, making something beautiful out of your life. Glory to God. Come on, say it. I am a work in progress. Beware of perfect people. Let me rephrase that. Beware of perfect looking people. What they have mastered is not perfection. What they have mastered is pretense. I'm going to say that again. Beware of perfect looking people. Let me tell you, this is why one of the age-long solid tools that the enemy will always use as far as attacking the body of Christ is concerned, will always be going after the shepherd. Going after the shepherd. Knowing that once the shepherd is struck, then the sheep will scatter. One of the reasons why that happens is because if the shepherd has pointed the sheep to the steward shepherd and not to the chief shepherd, are you getting me this evening? Then when the steward shepherd has a, hu has a human experience, then the sheep will be like, ah, even our shepherd is not arranged. So, they scatter. But once the sheep have been pointed to the chief shepherd, in the day of adversity, when the steward shepherd is going through a patch, then the sheep will arise and call on the mercies of the chief shepherd. So we are not going to let go. We are not going to let go. There is, there is destiny. There is life at stake. This is not the end of this man. This is not the end of this woman. I hope you are following me this evening. Beware of perfect looking people. They've mastered pretense. Beware of generals that won't show you their scars of battle. Beware. Beware. This, I am super. I'm super. I am super. See, he's tending us. You're a branch. Relax. You're a branch. You're not the root. You're not the tree. I, I wrote in my notes here. I said, I am not the root, but I am rooted. I, I am not the root. I am the branch, yes. But once I'm connected, I know I'm rooted. The winds will blow. The storms will come. Yes, all right. I've been well pruned to maximize my growth and my structural integrity. I've been well pruned. So I will stand in the day of adversity. Because guess what? The day of adversity will come. The storms and the wind of life will blow. It will blow. It will blow upon the righteous. It will blow upon the wicked. That is sure. It is sure. Glory to God. Glory to God. Connection requires dependence. Connection requires dependence. And dependence as a posture. I will say that again. Connection requires dependence. 
and dependence as a posture. There is a way you know a man. There is a way you know a woman who is constantly leaning. Constantly leaning on those everlasting arms. Who is soaring by saying, these are not my wings flapping. Who is doing great exploits by saying, this is not my intelligence at work. Dependence as a posture. The, the beware of a postureless Christian. The one who doesn't kneel. The one who doesn't point you to the real secret place as the source of power. Beware. Might just be another source. All right. Can we go to Galatians 5 already? Let's go to Galatians 5. And let's look at what the Apostle Paul calls here the fruit of the Spirit. Now, just to give some background. Thank you so much, guys. Galatians 5 from verse 16. Um, if you read the verses before this, you will notice that Paul here to the, to, to the church is making a case for what you will see in someone who is predominantly led by the flesh. And the things you will see in someone who is predominantly led by the Spirit of God. Alright, so this metaphor of fruit here, remember from John chapter 15, he is the vine, the Father is the vine dresser. Alright, we are just branches and we have a responsibility to bear fruit. Alright, remember, we are the righteous. We are flourishing like the palm tree. Alright, we are like the cedar in Lebanon. Even in old age. We bring forth much fruit. All right? We are fat and flourishing. That's God's word to us. Clear. Now, we come to Galatians 5 here, and he's saying that for the believer, if the Spirit of God on your inside is giving ascendancy. Now, remember, remember back to part, I'm not sure what parts now in this series, where we talked about the competition of the flesh and the Spirit. All right? If you feed your flesh, it will win that battle. If you feed your spirit man, now I'm saying this for male, male, female, if you feed that spirit being, all right, then the flesh is subdued and subjected. He's saying that if we want to know who is winning, we don't need a microscope. If we want to know who is winning, I'm going to, come on, we could just stay here now. If you want to know who is winning that battle, that tussle between the flesh and the spirit, he's saying you don't need a microscope. You don't even need to live with them in the houses. You don't need to check their routine. You don't need to check how many devotional plans they've done. You don't need to check if they're working in the church. He says, no, the only thing you need to check is the fruit. Then we know who is winning. He says, we don't need to know how long they've been in church. We don't need to know if they sing in the choir or if they're head of the ushers department. Say, no, all we need to know is, give me fruit, give me fruit, fruit. Galatians 5.16. I'm reading from the Amplified, please. It's a lengthy version of the Bible. <laughs> Praise God. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which referred to as the flesh. It says, which responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. Verse 16. Hmm, interesting. It says, for the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the spirit, and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. It says, for these two, the sinful nature and the spirit are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, continually in conflict. All right, so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. Verse 18. 
He says, but if you are guided and led by the Spirit, glory to God, you are not subject to the law. If you are guided and led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Let's go on. Verse 19. He says, now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsible, irresponsibility, lack of self-control. Now, these are the very same things that some in the name of grace justify as things that you can continue to um, engage in as far as you just confess that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and then you are fine. Alright, let's go on. Let's go on to see the huge deception that that is. Verse 20. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife. So just proof that there is, a, there is an indiscipline and there is, a, there is a throne of error that many have chosen to get married to. They will never justify sorcery. They won't justify idolatry. Those, those ones are too far off. But if it's sexual immorality, they know God's, God's grace has covered that. I remember we've settled these this, this conversations for those who want to revisit the past ones. It says jealousy, strife, hostility, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, factions, factions that promote heresies. Verse 21. We're going all the way to 26. Envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like this. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, I warn you, all right, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not, do not be deceived by how much scripture or justification they have for their misbehavior. The word of God is clear. The spirit at work inside of them cannot be the spirit of God. Do not be deceived by the tongues. Do not be deceived by the attendance in church. Do not be, be deceived by the amount of scripture. He's saying that we don't need a microscope. Just check the fruits. Once you find these things continually and habitually at work, then it is not the spirit of God at work. Verse 23. Sorry, let's go back to Genesis 22. We can't miss that. That's the main crux. The main crux. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, is love. Somebody say love. Somebody say love. The character. All right, remember, if you are going to plant um, an orange seed, you will expect to see an orange tree. If you were to plant a mango um, seed or pod, you will expect to see a mango tree. You won't expect to see fruit salad. You understand my point? There is no such tree with multiple fruits. It is one tree, one fruit. He's saying that the character of your father is love. Once he plants himself within you, what will grow out of you is love. Now, listen to me. It is possible, it is possible that there is an internal work on your inside being done, alright? And that we may not see anything on the outside, for it is not the day that the seed goes in that it buds, it is not that day, alright? But he's saying eventually, eventually, based on the workings and the interactions of the seed with the soil and the water, drawing nutrients, uh, attracting the word in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a surrounded environment of grace. It says that the seed of his nature, love, in your spirit, man, will bring forth the same. 
which is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Let me tell you why many people fight this. They will tell you that the fruit that they have is another one, not love. That love, I'm still working on it. No, 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 no. You're not working on anything. The Spirit of God on your inside will produce love. If we don't find love there, if we don't find love there, we need to query the Spirit that is at work. Hmm. Let's go to it. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us is love and unselfish concern for others. And then it begins to give us the dimension of love. I'm going to give us a quote by uh, Dwight Moody, who we popularly know as D.L. Moody. There are two versions of the quote, but it's basically the same concept. Um, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. That's instructive. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 23. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Against such things, there is no law. Glory to God. Glory to God. So the spirit at work on the inside of a man, the spirit of God at, the, at work on the inside of a woman will bear the fruit of love. And that fruit of love will have many manifestations in their interactions. Hmm. Let me read the quote I said I was going to read to you. It says that love when it is exalted or exalted is joy. Love when it is in repose is peace. Love when it is enduring is long-suffering. Love, when it is in society, is gentleness. Love, when it is on the battlefield, is faith. Love, when it is in school, is meekness. Love, when it is in training, is temperance. All of the fruits that the Spirit of God produces on the inside of us is love. The nature of the Father. Love. 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 It's, it, we, we can tell who is winning that war. It doesn't mean you're not a child of God. Don't get me wrong. It might just mean that you are car now and led by the flesh. That's why we don't find fruit. And there are so many explanations that people have. I just, I just have a temper issue. I have a temper issue. I can't. I can't. I, I just have a temper. A, a temper issue. That's how we are. I, I got it from my dad. I just have a temper issue, you know. I just can't, I just can't watch, I can't condone it. I can't watch, you know, things like this going in my environment. I got it from my mom. That's how I am. Hmm. Hmm. There, 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 there are people who, you can't enter their lane. Christians, you can't enter their lane. You, you enter their lane, <laughs> you're going to pay. And you just wonder, where did you drop the spirit of God? You see, Christian, road rage. You must be stupid. You must be... Ah. Then after they will now calm down. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, God, you know that's my weak point. I just can't stand it. I just can't stand it. Ah. It is a pointer that someone else is leading and winning that battle. You need to starve your flesh and feed your spirit, man. Praise God. Praise God. Let me read it in another way. Love exalting is joy. 
Love in repose, at rest, is peace. Love on trial, on trial, is long-suffering. Love in society is gentleness. Love on the battlefield is faith. Love in action is goodness. Love at school is meekness. Love in training is temperance. Is temperance. Are you bearing fruit? Child of God, are you connected? Are you abiding? Are you permitting pruning? Or are you just scaling it up and getting double promotion? Not learning the lessons along the way. Glory to God. Glory to God. Very quickly, uh, can we read the same passage in the message Bible? Very quickly. Um, if you have it for us, Galatians 5. The same Galatians 5. If you can find it for us in the message translation. If not, then let's go on. Oh, thank you. It says, my counsel is this. Live freely animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. It says, for there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical. Alright? So that you cannot live, you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. <laughs> he says, why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? Let's go on. Alright, all the way to 21. He says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, stinking accumulation of mental, emotional garbage, frenzied someone say is this still bible it's bible frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness trinket gods magic show religion paranoid loneliness hmm. cutthroat competition hmm. all consuming yet never satisfied ones hmm. a brutal temper this is getting too loud just breaking stuff anyhow an impotence to love or be loved Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. <sighs> Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Thank you. But what happens when we live God's way? It brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others. Exuberance about life. Serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. A sense of compassion in the heart. And a conviction that the basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Glory to God. I said glory to God. All right. So let's just look at them one by one. We are not looking at the fruits 
fruits of the Spirit, we have agreed that the fruit that the Spirit bears is the nature of our Father, which is love, and we've seen the practical manifestations of love. And we're just going to look at one of them. I'll give you just one scripture to hold on to so that you can remind yourself, this is who I truly am. I am not the attitudes and the tendencies that I've inherited from my tribe. There are people who say things like, oh, you don't know us. This is where we are from. We always, have, we always get angry. We always get angry. Yes, that is the fact about my old nature. But guess what? That person is dead. That person, that old person is dead. Someone says, we have a picture. Fine, you have a picture of a dead person. We have receipts. You have receipts of a dead person. We have your tweets. We have it. We have it. We have evidence. You have evidence of a dead person. I am now a new creation. This is the new me. And this is my new characteristic. I love. I am joyful. How many of you know people who you've never seen them happy before? Every time you see them, you can tell that there is a burden or a weight on your heart. It's not a burden for souls. It's not a burden for the kingdom. It's not a burden for intercession. They just have, their face spells worry constantly. And you want to ask them, where is your God? You can't afford to live like this, dear child of God. If the spirit of God is on your inside, we are not saying things will be perfect around you. No. We are saying that they, this joy stems from the inside, not from the outside. This joy stems... Can I please put Romans chapter 5 verse 8 on the screen? Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Let's begin to pick it one by one. The word Paul uses for love in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 is the same word that he uses for love in very strong places. All right, and many of us are familiar with the various Greek renditions of the word love. And we're familiar with the term agape. Agape, which means unconditional undeserved, unreciprocable love. It's the love the Father has for us. The same love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to change our ways. He died for us. Are you following me this evening? Romans 5 verse 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love there is agape. The fruit that the Spirit bears in you, it, it passed, unless it's another father. It has to be the same love that the father has, unconditional love. Someone is saying this was already tough. Are you saying I have the capacity to love someone unconditionally? I'm saying no, you don't have the capacity. The Spirit of God at work on your inside has the capacity to love genuinely. To love genuinely. To love the deserving to love the undeserving, to love the people who backbite against you, to love the people who gossip about you, to love the people who are plotting your fall. All right, you love them. I love the way man of God put it. He says you love them with the fruit of the Spirit. You deal with the Spirit that's working them with the gift of the Spirit. Praise God. I love that. Are you still with me this evening? To love undeserved unreciprocable. Not all oh, those church people, they are very ungrateful. They are very ungrateful. Church people. Ah! Mm. No, we love. We love these same church people. Guess what? They are the ones Jesus died for. Yes. Yes. He died for you too. We church people. <laughs> Let me rub myself with it. Praise God. Love. Number two, joy. Number two. Number two, joy. All right. And I'm, I'm counting it in this way because this is how we are familiar. But remember, the underlying thought here is the nature of the Father. 
which is still love. All right. And what is joy? Joy is love that is exalted. That means that I will know constantly that my father loves me. Therefore, this is worth rejoicing about. I will not rejoice because I see or receive things. I will rejoice because I have the nature of my father. I hope you are getting the difference. I told my wife a couple of years back. I said, we know the things God has shown us. We know his promises. We know the clear, I mean, crystal clear prophecies. We know, all right? And we rejoice at his word, all right? All right? But there is a current reality that looks almost opposite to everything God has told us. I said, therefore, I have made a decision. I told her. I said, I've made a decision that I will never rejoice because of an event or because of a thing. I said, I have made my decision that irrespective of what is going on on my outside, I will always rejoice. I will always rejoice. There was a time when as a family, we were going through a very tough patch. Some are listening who are close to the family and say, oh, what's that? Can we guess? Maybe it was 10 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Well, well if I told you it was just a few weeks ago. You know some people, you can tell how often they, they get paid. Their dance in church is bi-weekly. Bi-weekly dance. How long are you going to anchor your life around things that can change? Come and discover joy. 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 The circumstances might stay or look the way they are. No, they won't even remain like that too long because everything eventually bows to its original source code. It was all created by the word of God. Therefore, eventually it will respond to the word. It's a response. So we greet it with joy in the meantime. Joy. Mm. Psalms chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Psalms chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. I've made, see, I've made that decision. You cannot tell what is going on in my life. If you want to know, you are going to have to ask. You won't be able to tell by how I dance in church or how I rejoice or how I show up to pray or to intercede or to serve God's people. You, you can never, never, you can't tell. You can't tell by the smile on my face. The devil knows he's a no-go area. That smile is always going to be there. I don't care if the world is tumbling down. I don't care if things are upside down. I don't care. I don't see the joy of the Lord is a force. You try to bottle it up sometimes, you can't bottle it up. You get a paycheck, you are, you are grateful. You get a paycheck, you are grateful. You lose your job, nobody knows, nobody notices. Why? Right? The joy is intact. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. That's the secret of joy. It's right there in his word. Who is your trust in? If your trust is in riches, if your trust is in investments, if your trust is in bank account, if your trust is in net, net worth, you will never find joy. If your trust is in him, then you will find joy. He never changes. All those other things will change. See, listen to me, ask some of the richest celebrities in the world who we admire from a distance, their lives. The amount of emptiness the amount of emptiness that this so-called plenty brings, you cannot imagine it. Someone say, well, let me taste the emptiness first. Trust me. You don't want emptiness. Trust me. It is mentally and soulfully torturing that a man in the midst of so-called abundance will 
entertain the thought of ending it all. Trust in him. Well, let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy. Why? Because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. You see the link between love and joy? We know that his love for us is constant. His love for us is constant. Therefore, we rejoice. We will not consider what is on the outside. No. Sometimes he might want to break you down a bit. I remember, and should I share this? I, I mean, if my wife was in the room, sometimes I just get a feel from her. I'm like, babe, should I, should I share it? And, and she just gives me a nod. Sometimes she says no. But let me see. Let me sense what her feeling is in this moment. Let me sense. Okay, she says that she share it. She said I should not share it. Okay. Psalm 511, so that you know, you guys know, so for, for there to be peace and joy right in the world. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. We've read this. Let's go to verse 12. Let's go to verse 12 quickly. It says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. We love this scripture so much. But we forget to, 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 to connect to what is before it. We will rejoice because we put our trust in him. For you, O Lord. We will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. It is my prayer for you that the favor of God will surround you in the mighty name of Jesus. That the Bible tells us some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. It says, but we will put our trust in the name of the Lord. It is my prayer that you will completely, wholeheartedly devote your trust in the name of the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. That the deceitfulness of riches the emptiness of plenty, you will know how to get there before you look back and say, I should have heard. I should have stayed on the straight and narrow. I should have stayed with my God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Peace. 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 Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. Peace is love in repose. An unshakable love. Since my God got this. My father's got this. And the storm is raging. Things are getting worse. They are making all the threats. That house is going to be foreclosed. But you are just at peace. You are like, no, my God is alive. My God is alive. That's the attitude of peace. Philippians 4. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7. He says, and the peace of God. Is love that is, I, I, when I see love in repose, repose is a big word, all right? It's an old English word. Those who speak French know what it means in the French, all right? But the way I see it is love chilling. When love is chilling, chilling is a word you can identify with, not just repose. When love is chilled, like, you know, nothing's got this. When there's a storm and water is pouring in the boat and you can sleep, that's peace, chilling. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Are we reading verse 8? Let's talk about verse 7. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Somebody say peace. Somebody say joy. These are expressions of God's love in the life of a believer. Long-suffering, endurance, 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 endurance. If there is no muscle being built, if there is no character being sustained, then it is not endurance. Weightlifters got that. Um, exercise people got that. People with gym. There is a category 
of, of, of routines called endurance training. Endurance training. It is deliberate focus muscle development, muscle group. In the same way, there are character groups <laughs> that the Spirit of God will say, hey, she's got greatness in the future. Very soon, she's going to be all over the world speaking to thousands and millions of young ladies. We need to deal with this tendency for pride. Let's deal with it. So then there's a curriculum of heaven that ensures the specific training of that muscle group. Mm. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. Let's read it in the Amplified. Galatians 5 22. I love what it explains there. It says patience. Not the ability to wait. Everybody waits at the end of the day. Although there are those who try to fast track and bend corners, which is dangerous. He says, but how we act while waiting. 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 Are we still rejoicing? Have you stopped going to church because you are waiting? Spirit of God is building character. There's a curriculum designed for you. Not just because it is interesting. Of course, it's so interesting in the time. But there is a, there is a, 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 a shining in your future that you will need that muscle group for. You will need it. Trust me. You will need it. Some of you, God is teaching you humility. God is teaching you patience. You know you are learning patience. You know you are like hot fuse. God is teaching you patience. That is because there is a stage he is about to place you on. What few people don't get there. And he loves you. He says, that's my plan for you. And you're like, God, can't you see the odd few in me? Can't you? I'm not the one. He says, you are the one. You are the one. Praise God. Praise God. Gentleness. 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 This, this is one of the most abused ones. Gentleness. So the spirit of God, the fruit of the spirit, there's no niceness there. Don't expect you to be nice. I'm going to be cutthroat. Cutthroat. Cutthroat, I see what you are doing. You know, it's amazing. Church to church, Christian to Christian, believer to believer. Cutthroat, I will deal with you. I will deal with you. You will know you cross somebody's path. Ah, child of God. Tongue talking, blasting, you will deal with. Pastor to pastor, I will show you. Show you. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. I'm going to verse 2. Let's read 1 to 7, or maybe because of our time, we might not need to get to verse 7. Titus chapter 3, do they have it for us? Thank you. He says, remind them, maybe we'll just stop at verse 3 or 4. Remind them to be subjects to rulers and authorities to obey, to be ready for every good work. Verse 2, he says, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, and showing humility to all men, to all men. I could literally stay there. He said, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. Please, you can read it down. But it says, gentle towards all men. Gentle towards all men. Gentle. Gentle. Love in society. Interacting with people. Some of you say, oh, you don't know my colleagues. You don't know my colleagues. You don't know my co-workers. You don't know the people in my choir. If you don't give it to them, they won't learn. You don't know the people in that church. You need iron hand, iron hand. You have to threaten their destiny. If not, they will not show up. Hey, 
Hey, threatening their destiny is abusing them. Abused people do not manifest destiny. So you just shut yourself in the foot. Praise God. Praise God. Love in action is goodness. Love in action is goodness. And that is our nature. Let me tell you, child of God, you will do some acts as instructed by the Spirit of God. You will get burnt. The person or the people concerned will be highly ungrateful, somewhat even disrespectful. All right? You know it's enough for you to do something and the person doesn't say thank you. That's fine. All right? It's his, I mean, it's not fine. All right? But it's even worse for the same person. That's demonic entitlement. He only gave me $200. Can you imagine? Only gave me $200. That PD. It's not nice. It's not, it's not, it's not good. Yeah. And someone is wondering, wait, is it he gave you or lent you or you worked, he paid you. He said, no, he gave me. He can do more. We know him. <laughs> He's a billion. Yeah, glory to God. Glory, please, let's stay. Let's come back to our message. Praise God. But we see the acts of kindness that we do. We don't need it recorded. We don't need it captured on camera. It is our nature. We do good deeds by the Spirit of God. We do good deeds. Is someone listening this evening? We do good deeds by the Spirit of God. Jonah chapter 4 and verse 2. Jonah chapter 4 and verse 2. See, there is a tendency for wickedness. You should not find it in a believer. That, let me prove my, I want it to pain them. At that moment, you know it. You know this is your flesh. I want this thing to pain them. I won't call them. I won't call them. I won't call them. I won't talk to them. I won't recommend them. That reference, I won't feel it. That note, I won't send it. That this, whatever it is, if it is in your power to do good, child of God, you are not God. Do good. It is a privilege to be the tool that God uses to enforce good in the world. Jonah chapter 4 verse 2. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Our Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. I know you are a good God. That's what Jonah was saying. I know you are a good God. Uh, is it not amazing that some of you, if you were God for one day, for one day, for one day, there are people you just want to, you know, you just want to, you just want to teach them a bit. A bit. To go, let me deal with this person. Deal with this person. Let me just bring them some fire, you know. A little brimstone. Let them reset. Thank God you are not God. I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. This is our Father. Slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness. One will relent from doing our praise God. I said praise God. Faith is love on the battlefield. Love on the battlefield. In every contention, faith says that the love of God never fails. Therefore, this matter will conform to what the word says. Are you still with me this evening? Let's see 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. As we begin to tie this up, praise God. I know some people when they hear that, they're like, pity. Tie this up. We might just go for another hour. No, we're actually tying this up. Praise God. This is why I suffer as I do. Can you imagine? That's what Paul is saying to his protege. He says, this is why I suffer as I do. Still, I am not ashamed for I know him. I am personally acquainted with him 
whom I have believed. He's saying here that my, my, my decision and my belief in God is not circumstantial. He's saying I have crossed beyond the fruits of his spirit on my inside. I have crossed beyond it makes me feel good. I've crossed beyond all of that. No, no, no. I've entered into a place where it is his word or nothing. I have crossed the line. He says, in the King James, he says, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. I am persuaded. I don't know whatever pastor is going to come out and say there is no God. I am persuaded. I don't know whatever general overseer is going to come and say, you know what? There is no God again. He says, I am persuaded. I have crossed the line. I don't know what the latest fad will be or the latest scandal is going to be. I don't know. And guess what? I really don't know. What I know is that I am persuaded. Yes. Yes, we have been inspired by steward shepherds. But we've seen the chief shepherd. We've seen the chief shepherd. I am persuaded. I know whom I have believed. I am not ashamed. I am persuaded. He's able to keep what I've committed to him until that last day. Meekness is love in school. School is not fun. Ask any young person you know. School is not fun. There are days you don't want to go. You just don't want to wake up. You don't want to sit. You don't want to do any task. You don't want to learn anything. anything. You are just fine. What is our love? It goes to school and it results in meekness. Humility on our inside. Humility is not seeing yourself less than you are. Humility is seeing yourself and more importantly, others the way God sees them and dealing with them that way. That homeless person created in the image of God. Yes, they've probably not found or discovered their destiny. Humility is, I won't wait for that person to be the managing director of a company before I accord them the respect due to them. When you see people filled with the spirit of God, they are humble and it oozes out like fragrance. The humility smells you smell humility on them. You smell. We were watching an interview of Pastor E.A. Adeboye um, that he gave recently on Instagram Live. I mean, phenomenal. Short interview, loaded and powerful. And it, Pastor Poju was one interviewing him. A lot of young guy in age, in, in everything. And he just kept on saying, oh, thank you, sir. This, this, sir. This, this, sir. He kept on saying, sir. I told my wife, I said, do you know today, if you meet Pastor Adeboye, he's going to say, Good evening, ma. He doesn't reduce him. If I, I said, if he greets you, good evening, ma. Your own head too swells. I'm now great. <laughs> Humility oozes. It's a decision. I will reckon you not the way you are, but as God has made you. You might think you are small. I see greatness in you, and this is not even motivation. You are made in God's image. You might not feel that way. Spirit of God on our inside reckons that we deal with persons as valuable, priceless individuals made the spirit and the image of the Father. Temperance, self-control. Let's read James 4.6. Let's read Proverbs 16.32. I will pray. James 4.6. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. God resists. God doesn't leave the proud alone. God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Let's go to Proverbs 16.32. Proverbs 16.32. Proverbs 16.32. Self-control. Proverbs 16.32. He's saying there is a dimension of the Spirit of God on your inside that empowers you 
to win this battle over flesh. Thank you. He who is slow to anger is better and more honorable than the mighty soldier and he who rules and controls his own spirit than he who captures a city. He's saying he who wins that battle of flesh versus spirit. He says it is more honorable than to capture a city. It is more honorable that the spirit of God can give you the grace to say no. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to fast every day in June. I'm going to wake up 5 a.m. to pray. That's self-control. If you had an appointment for a job interview, you will be there by 5. You won't even wake up at 5. You'll wake up by, you'll have calculated the transit time, the connections if you're using the train or if you're driving. Everything factored into it. He's saying the spirit of God can empower you. You can be more controlled. You can be more controlled. Those lusts of the flesh can be tamed. Our best in an atmosphere of fasting. Glory to God. Do not forget, we stay connected to Him. We abide in Him. He abides in us. And we permit the seasons of pruning. Why don't you just begin to thank God for the word that I have received? Say, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you because I see your spirit at work in me. In every way, I have tried to refuse to be taught to refuse to be trained, to refuse to be pruned, to refuse to abide, to refuse to be connected. I receive your mercy. Your plan for me is to be like the palm tree, like the seba in Lebanon, constantly flourishing, constantly bearing much fruit, that the world sees me, I can tell that these, these ones have the nature of God on their inside. These ones love. These ones are always joyful. These ones are patient. These ones are meek. These ones are kind. These ones constantly do good acts. It can't be them. There is a nature at work on your inside. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because all we want is for you. For you to be lifted high, all we want is for you, for you to be glorified, for you to be lifted high, all we second say father i receive your grace to stay connected i receive your grace to abide i refuse your your grace to allow pruning that the fruit of your spirit will blossom in me through my life my world experience love when people are saying what does it mean to be joyful they can look at my life and see a life of joy when people are asking what does it mean to have peace this 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 concept that the world seems to be looking for this source of peace but we have the prince of peace in us the grace to connect stay connected to abide to stay to make you our our dwelling place 
Thank you, gracious Father. I want to pray for someone under the sound of my voice here saying, Pastor, nice sermon, but I'm not even connected. Great, great things that the Spirit of God can do. I've tried to learn these things as a personal value system. I've tried to train myself. I got a life coach. I'm trying to be more patient, trying to learn humility. All right. There is a limit to which your life coach can go. We bless God for their impact. There is a limit to which those books and self-help columns can help you. Real virtue, sustained virtue is by the Spirit of God. And you're saying, I want to get connected. I need Jesus. I accept. I accept my distance. I accept my disconnection. And I want to be in that family. Father, I pray for your sons and your daughters under the sound of my voice. Acknowledging their need for a Savior. Acknowledging their sin and that nature that has predominantly led them for so long. Saying that they receive your love. They believe that you came, you died. You took their place. You were nailed on the cross, but you couldn't stay there. On the third day, you arose. You are alive today. You live in them, empowering us by your spirit to please you. Thank you because these ones are now a part of your family. The joy of salvation fills them. Your spirit inundates them. Today is a new day. Glory to your name. For in Jesus' name we are prayed. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Come on, jam your hands together and give the Lord a big shout. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you just said that prayer, please get in touch. We would like to walk this journey with you. Praise God. I'm sure you've been blessed. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you are a champion. God bless you.